Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. Amen. Well, we're commencing a new series today, entering into a new series, and it is called Sovereign. Sovereign is the name of this new series that we're moving towards. And when I say the word sovereign, I wonder what immediately kind of happens in you and where your mind kind of goes. I wonder if you go straight to the Netflix series, The Crown, and you go, hmm, the sovereign, yes. She was and is some, you know, kind of character, right? And uh, you might watch this one. It might be something that's part of, you know, your routine. I must say, very late to the party for The Crown for me. Uh, Something that Michelle had been watching for some time. And I kind of wandered into it. You know, the sovereign, she, you know, she's pretty like tough at at different parts. And she asks really good questions. But I have to be honest, probably just a little bit slow for me. But that's okay. Um, You know, it's, if you, you know, for some they enjoy it and it's good, you know. Others of you, you might think, and might, your mind might go to Sovereign Hill in Ballarat. Who went to Sovereign Hill as a kid in Ballarat? Who spent some time there? That was a lot of fun. I went there as a kid with my parents, and we panned for gold, and we found it. It was amazing. Can't believe it's still there. Can you believe that? Still there. And then went back with my kids a bit later. Oh, here we, here we go. I know. Who would have thought the Stevens family around in the 1800s? Uh, but this is us a few years ago. Took the kids back to Sovereign Hill. And we banned for gold and found some too. It's still there. It's amazing. Like, just they keep just bringing it out. But Sovereign Hill is, uh, is a pretty cool place, actually. And if these are pretty iconic photos. Who's got one of these photos? On the, yeah, these are the iconic ones. If you're online, you've got one of these photos, just say yes in the chat. Because they're the iconic photos that are coming out of Sovereign Hill. Or, or you might think of a different monarch or a different time in history, or, or a different sort of crown. Like, here's a crown from 1831. This is Queen Adelaide's crown, actually. little fun fact for you. So when King William IV was coronated, this is the crown that uh, Queen Adelaide wore at that time. Uh, so, you know, you might, when I say the word sovereign, you might go to a different place, and, and that's all right. You know, the word sovereign means a supreme ruler, especially a monarch, and possessing supreme or ultimate power. And actually, as followers of God, this is who we believe God to be. We, we believe God to be the sovereign one. This is part of him being omnipotent. He's being all-powerful. He's the ultimate power for people for all time. And we're going to explore this uh, over the next six weeks by sitting in the book of Isaiah. And we're going to be looking at the sovereignty of God. And we're going to be digging in and exploring what does it mean to follow a God who is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. So let me tell you a little bit about the book of Isaiah. It's set before Jesus. So we're in the Old Testament here, about 700 years uh, BC. So we're a fair way uh, before Jesus. And God's people had forsaken the Lord. That's what it says in Isaiah 1, 4. uh, To worship false gods, they'd become spiritually lifeless. Uh, But God holds out hope for a coming day of salvation. A new exodus led by the promised servant king. Uh, this uh, suffering servant, this Messiah uh, that Isaiah speaks about. And the ultimate purpose of Isaiah is to call people back to God and, and to let them know that there is salvation that is to come. So Isaiah points to the Messiah, 
the one who will save them, the one who is to come. And there's two kind of mega themes that run through the book of Isaiah. There's one around judgment, and there's a second one around hope. And what sort of happens throughout this book of Isaiah is that this kind of keeps having these cycles, you know, judgment, hope, judgment, hope, judgment, hope. God sort of speaks to the people about where they are. This is where you're at. Uh, You're sinful. You're not actually doing the right thing. But there's hope. There's hope if you follow me. There's hope if you turn away and you do the things that I've asked you to do and you live for me. Uh, You know, kind of in, in, in... Kind of more general terms, uh, chapters 1 to 39 speak a lot about the judgment that God has over his people because of their sin and their rebelliousness. And then in chapters 40 to 66, uh, Isaiah brings out words of hope for salvation and a life with him. But as you read Isaiah, and I encourage you over the next six weeks to spend some time digging into Isaiah. And we've got uh, a Bible reading plan that I'll talk to you about at the end of the service for us all to participate in together. Uh, what we actually start to see is we start to see these cycles, you know, judgment and hope, judgment and hope. And God speaks these words of truth. He straightens them up and he says, but there's hope if you follow me. There's hope here if you give your life uh, to me. And as the ruler over all things, the sovereign God has the ability to both judge people, but also bring hope and salvation. And this is because his overarching desire, his ultimate desire for the people back then and us today is to be in relationship with us. That's his overarching desire. That's his number one goal, is that he would be in relationship with us. And as you know, sometimes we need correction. And sometimes we need to be pointed in the way forward. Maybe in the day that we live in today, we're not as great hearing the correction. Maybe we've lost that a little bit. And we need to know that God has both correction, he's got judgment, but he's also got hope and he's got salvation for us. And Isaiah is known as the great prophet, probably the greatest prophet of the Old Testament. And a prophet is someone, if you don't know, is someone who hears from God and speaks on his behalf. So the prophets of the Old Testament, they get visions, they get impressions, they they, they hear from the Lord, and it's like they're his mouthpiece. So they're not speaking for themselves. They're speaking God's words, and they're speaking what God has for his people. And it's important that uh, we remember that. And prophets would go to public places. They would hang out in the temple courtyards in Jerusalem. And they would speak about the things of God. And they would speak to everyone who would listen. And they would raise their voice to try and bring a few extra people in to that conversation as well. So that they would hear the things that God has for the people at that time. So Isaiah was quoted more than 50 times in the New Testament. And what's really interesting is the New Testament actually quotes Isaiah more than any other and all the other prophets of the Old Testament. So Isaiah has a really strong influence on the writers of the New Testament. So it's important that we know that as well. So as we read through the New Testament now, Isaiah and Isaiah's prophecies and Isaiah's thought and what God spoke through Isaiah actually runs and weaves its way through uh, the writings of the, uh, the New Testament as well. And to highlight this, uh, theologian Alec Moitier, he says this, he says, Isaiah is the Paul of the Old Testament. 
in his teaching that faith in God's promises is the single and most important reality of the Lord's people. He is the Hebrews of the Old Testament in his proposal of faith as the sustaining strength of the Lord's people in life's dark days. And he's also the James of the Old Testament in his insistence that faith works, proving itself in obedience. So Isaiah has quite a lot of influence, actually, in some of how uh, the writers of the New Testament have actually framed up some of their thought and some of their theology and some of the ways in which they've written either letters uh, or doctrine in different ways. So it's important that we, uh, we kind of know that. But you know what I love most about Isaiah? Is Isaiah displayed a heart to listen and serve God. This is, I think, all time. I think this is what we really need to you know, kind of focus in on today is that Isaiah displayed a heart and uh, to listen and to serve God. This is how he postured himself before God. So if we could learn anything about Isaiah, we could learn this, about how do we posture ourselves before God. In Isaiah 6, 8, it says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? And who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. You know the thing I love most about Isaiah? is that he was a yes man for God. He was a yes man for God. And when it's all said and done, when life's all, you know, kind of, it all boils down to what's kind of important and what's your life going to stand for. As I was preparing for today, I thought, you know what? When it's all said and done, I, I want to be a yes man for God. That's what I want. Because God is sovereign. He is the ultimate power. He, he's the one whom we surrender our lives to. So therefore, what he says goes. And I find an incredible challenge in that. And I'm sure you do as well. Whether you're with me in the room or you're with us online, there's a challenge to surrender all of ourselves over to God. But wouldn't it be great if we got to the end of our days? And maybe not even something that we said, but someone reflected of us. And they said, yeah, they were a yes person for God. It seemed like whenever God asked them to do something, they would just say yes. Because they knew. They knew God would provide. They had their trust in Him. They knew He was faithful in all of His ways. So they just kept saying yes. What a beautiful thing to be said. And we have an opportunity to participate in that. We are in the game while we have breath to be that person, to be a yes person for God. One scholar writes this, as you read Isaiah, imagine this strong and courageous man of God fearlessly proclaiming God's word and listen to his message in relation to your own life. Return, repent, and be renewed. Return, repent, and be renewed. And this is essentially by way of introduction our invitation and our challenge for the next six weeks. It's our invitation to dig in to what God wants to say to us as the sovereign one. But with that will come a great challenge, a great challenge as he rolls over a little stone in our life and what's he going to find underneath? And how will we deal with that? 
How will we bring ourselves before the Lord and be prepared to maybe deal with some of those things that maybe we've tried to hide away or ignore? Maybe even things other people see in us, but we're not courageous enough to actually look at ourselves. And also, what are the opportunities? The things that God has before us, and he's waiting for you to say, here am I, send me. Doesn't matter what your age or your stage. Here am I, send me. So there's both a renewal and, uh, and bringing ourselves before the Lord moment. And then there's an opportunity for what is to come. And that's our invitation and our challenge as we sit in Isaiah for these next six weeks. As we look at different kind of themes and, 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 and the different kind of aspects of what Isaiah talks about. He talks about trust and holiness. We're going to dig into Jesus as the Messiah. We're going to look at the hope that is to come. Looking at the sovereign one. So if you've got your Bibles, let's turn to Isaiah 1. Either you might have your hard copy or your phone. You can follow us on the screens. But let's have a little look at these mega themes, judgment and hope, and how these are introduced in Isaiah chapter 1. So this is Isaiah 1 verses 1 to 4. says this, The vision concerning Judah and Jerusalem that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw during the reigns of Isaiah, Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Hear me, you heavens. Listen, earth, for the Lord has spoken. I reared children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. The ox knows its master, the donkey its its owner's manger, but Israel does not know. My people do not understand. Woe to this sinful nation, a people whose guilt is great, A brood of evildoers, children given to corruption. They have forsaken the Lord and they have spurned the Holy One of Israel and turned their backs on Him. Wow, it's like the first four verses. Isaiah's come out the gates pretty hard, has he not? He's really kind of pushed it out and said, hey, you know, this vision that has come from God through Isaiah to his people, it comes out pretty hot. It starts pretty strong. And verses 1 to 2, they tell us that Isaiah is having this vision from God. It's the Lord who's speaking. So these are words from the sovereign. So we've got to listen up. And he explains how God's people have lost their way. In verse 2, that they've rebelled against God. Verse 3, they don't know their master. That's, that's a tough thing to say. And in verse 4, a sinful nation who have forsaken the Lord and turned their backs on God. And it's like we can hear the pain of God in these opening few verses. We can hear the pain of God. It's like his heart is breaking for his people because God's been faithful to his people over a very long period of time. God's got quite the library at this stage in his time with the Israelites that he's been faithful He's been trustworthy. He has provided for them time and time again. He has literally saved them. He's brought them into a new land, and yet his people have forgotten them. I wonder, right at the beginning of this series, and looking at these themes of judgment and hope, if you were honest with yourself today, 
Where are you before God? Where are you before God? If God was going to speak to you, if he was going to speak to us as a church, what would the sovereign one have to say? What would be his opening words to you? Would he come out the gates pretty hot and he's got a few things that he wants to get your attention with? Do you resonate with maybe some of the things that have been spoken here uh, to God's people through Isaiah? Do you struggle maybe with a rebellion against God? Is it that you don't know the master like you used to? Or is it even that you've forsaken the Lord and that you've turned your back on him? That maybe you still come to church, maybe you're still in the community, but your heart is far from God. See, that's a difficult thing to hear, isn't it? But the beautiful thing about God and through his writings in Isaiah is that we both have judgment and hope. There is both a hard word which needs to straighten us up, but then there's a it's like a hand being reached out for hope for the future. And it's fair to say God's had enough, but the good news is he calls him to repentance. Verses 16 to 20 go on to say this. They say, wash and make yourselves clean. Take your evil deeds out of my sight. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do what is right. Seek justice. Defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. Verse 18, come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they are red as crimson, they shall be like wool. If you're willing and obedient, you will eat the good things of the land. But if you resist and rebel... You will be devoured by the sword, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. So verses 16 and 17 give us a really good insight here about how we can be washed clean. See, God's goal for his people and for us today is that we would be washed clean, that we would know his forgiveness and we'd know his grace. And he says these three words. He says, stop. We've got to be people who stop. You actually need to stop what's doing wrong. And then he says, learn. Let's be people who learn. Don't ever think that you've arrived. Don't ever think that you've made it. But there's always something to learn and to grow in. And then he says, seek. Seek justice. Live a life that is actually for the other. Because if you genuinely stop, doing the things that God is asking you not to do, you learn a new way of living and you seek to live for others, that's what it means to participate in the kingdom of God. It's a really great little cycle for us to consider when we consider how we're placed before the Lord. Pulled straight out of verses 16 and 17. Stop, learn and seek. Love it. Stop doing wrong. Learn to do what is right. Seek justice and defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless and plead the case of the widow. And you know, around the same time period of uh, Isaiah, is a, another prophet by the name of Micah. And he 
he also, God spoke his message through him. And there's a, a, a verse that you might know well if you've been in church for some time. It's Micah 6, 8. And it says this, it says, He has shown you what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. You see, God calls us to repentance and his desire is to wash us clean. He washes us clean and he says, stop, stop doing that stuff. That isn't good. We call it sin. Learn the right way to live in the kingdom of God and seek justice and live for the other. You see, God doesn't wash us clean so that we can just live for ourselves. He washes us clean so that we can actually participate in his kingdom. And that's going to look different for everyone in the context and the time in which you find yourself in. But we still pursue the same things. We, we learn what it looks like to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with our God. Uh, we, look, we learn to know what it looks like to defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. And this is how we actually learn and grow. This is how we learn and grow as followers of God. We stop, we learn, and we seek. We stop, we learn, and we seek. We stop, we learn, and we seek. And it just keeps going. It keeps going, and it keeps going. And this is very important for us to consider. Because sometimes, maybe we think we've made it in different areas of our life. And, and, and that's a trap. It's a trap. Because we're all learning. We're all growing. And we all need to say and have times where we review and we say, Lord, what do I need to stop? Lord, what is it that I need to learn? How can I seek to live a life for the other? And when I was thinking about this, uh, someone uh, came to mind for me, and a man by the name of Andrew Chan. And Andrew Chan um, was in, in the news. He was uh, executed in 2015 in Indonesia, one of the Bali Nine. And, uh, and, and Andrew Chan's got a fascinating story about what it means to be washed clean. You know, he grew up learning at a very young age that um, violence and being a bully and intimidating others was a way that he could get his way. And that's how he grew up in school, led to petty crimes and went into a bit uh, more, you know, kind of full-on kind of gear as his circles started to change a little bit. And uh, he found himself, you know, masterminding this, um, this, this drug run through Indonesia and he got caught. Uh, it was actually when he was in prison. He asked to meet with the Salvation Army chaplain and he started to meet with the chaplain. Chaplain gave him a Bible. They started to talk about these things. And over time, he put his trust in Jesus and he said, you know what? I've found freedom in my life in a jail cell. Isn't that crazy? I found freedom in my life living in this jail cell. So here's a man who had to stop. He stopped. He had to learn a new way. And then he started to seek what it would look like to serve those in prison less fortunate than him. So he started to help out those in the prison that needed some extra help. Started a chapel service. You can see him here. He's leading worship. You do a little bit of research on him. He says, I never sang. I just didn't ever sing. And then I started singing these worship songs. And then he finds himself leading a church service in the prison in Indonesia. And he started to get involved with things like art therapy and, and helping other people that were in a difficult place. Like, I'm pretty sure the whole thing was difficult, right? 
But in that, he was like, how can I serve others? How can I seek to live for justice in the kingdom? On the night that he was executed, there's a big campaign, probably global, it's definitely here in Australia, about trying to help him um, not be executed. But as uh, on the night that he was, as the story goes, he was singing Amazing Grace. What a man to be washed clean, to know what it means to stop, to learn, and to seek to live a new way. So very powerful for us as we consider what it means to do this ourselves. And in verse 18, I believe is so important for us here at Clovey. In verse 18, it says, Come now and let us settle the matter, says the Lord. Come now, let us settle the matter, says the Lord. And I believe that's the prophetic word from Isaiah into our community today. What is it that the Lord is saying to you right now where he's holding out his hand and he's saying, come now, come now. He's bringing you in and he's saying, let's settle the matter. And it's not just anyone that's asking you to come settle the matter. It's the sovereign. It's the all-powerful God Almighty. And he's asking you and drawing you in. And he's saying, come now. Let's settle the matter. God is the sovereign one. He can forgive. He can make what was red and stained white as snow. Do you believe this? Do you believe this in your heart? What is it that you need forgiveness from today? And how can you bring this to the Lord with an openness and an honesty? You know, as we are going to read through the book of Isaiah over these next six weeks and sit in different parts of it, there are times that you'll feel like you're part of a, a washing machine. You feel like you're just getting kind of thrown around in different ways. And, and you'll be like, hang on, what's going on? You know, judgment and hope, judgment and hope. And you're like, I feel like I'm getting pushed around like a washing machine all the time. But I want to encourage you. I, I don't think the book of Isaiah is as much as a washing machine as it is a slinky. Who, who remembers the slinky? Yeah? Who's ever pushed one of those down a stair? You know what I mean? It, it still gets all stretched out but it finds its way to take another step forward. It gets stretched out, it takes another step forward. It gets stretched out, it takes another step forward. And you know what? God's heart for you, as it is for me, is that we keep moving forward. He wants to wash you clean. He wants you to stop. He wants you to listen and learn. And he seeks for you to live for the other. It's his heart. And sometimes you feel like you're going around and around. But no, he wants you to step forward with him and be part of his kingdom. There you go. He wants you to step forward. Move forward with him. And we can have hope in him because he is the sovereign one. We can have hope in him because he is the sovereign one. Let's pray together. Why don't you just bow your heads?